Welcome Adventures to another episode of Busy Adults. It is I, Drake Ryder, and on today's episode we take four different cases to the D&D court. We each plead our cases to the other three members about certain rules, spells, beats, or even dice rolls. Are the councils going to side with rules as written or rules as intended? Grab a pint, rest your bones, and listen in on this episode of Busy Adults. All she knows at this time. <laughs> I know the intro music. I love it. Here we are. Episode three. Yeah, three. As high as I can the- count. <laughs> oh. Yay, we have Drake back with us uh, yep. after a long... Oh, God, how long has it been? It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> about about two weeks. It's been about a month since I've been here. Has it been a month? Oh, yeah, I was yeah. here for the first one, and then work was like, "Hey, you're our bitch for the next month." And I went, yeah. "Oh, <laughs> busy adults, yeah." Great, thanks for bringing it back. We are busy adults. We are. Welcome to the Busy Adults Podcast, guys. This is gonna be a shit show. Uh, yeah. Well, last it could be a week, shit show, but too fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the last episode we recorded, we were Drakeless, but we did make some characters with that NPC generator. Well, with the NPC generator table in the back of the DM's handbook. Um, that was really fun. But another fun thing that we did just for us, maybe, maybe it'll go out onto the internet one day. Um, uh, but we played a, uh, one page RPG. Um, I believe the name of it is called All the King's Horses. Um, I'll have to look it up on Reddit real quick to see who actually posted it, but it was a really fun one shot in which, uh, I, I DM'd both Yaka and Monkey and they were horses it started out really normal. I promise. It, it did. So it, it started out like, hey, monkey's a knight and Yaka's a jester. It's like, okay, yeah, we, we're okay with this. We're cool. And then we're like, oh, yeah, but no, by the way, you're horses. You're the knight's horse and the jester's horse. It's like, oh, okay. I guess I'm a fucking horse. <laughs> and from that moment on, the insanity ensued. It was insanity. It, it, was, it was normal at first, and then it took a real hard turn. Until we started talking to the pigs, that's where it got crazy. That's where it got crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think we literally laughed for like ten minutes straight about my <laughs> stupid pig face we, I was making. We could not move forward from that point. No, we couldn't. Fucking pig! Oh my god! Uh, I I mean I was I was gonna say hey Drake here's a here's a preview so I leaned back and I got an extra turn going and I have a ball ha ha like picture a Helen smash like that sort of like oh rectangular and she was breathing real hard because she's a big big old bitch and like they just they couldn't get past it and oh no, i mean we couldn't fair <laughs> it was perfect it was so good 
It was a lot of fun. It was. Um, but yeah, we'll end up putting it up there. Um, and then, I don't know if you guys know yet, but we just about have a website ready to go. So I'll uh, I'll probably have those rules and everything posted on there, too, if uh, the viewers want to get into those shenanigans. Uh, um, real quick, I looked it up. Uh, I found it on One Page RPGs. That's the uh, Reddit thread. And the username is Sir Dr. Cock. Uh, K-O-K. <laughs> I'm hey. giving credit where credit uh, is due. This is a- no, they absolutely. are the one who did the who put together all the rules for the for the game and it. Uh, I'm. This was a mature channel. We can say that here. (laughs) Cock is K O K. K O K. There's nothing dirty about a cock. It is A O K. K O K. In my book. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's schmegma. Yes. Oh god. But yeah, I'll end up linking to uh, Doctor. What what was the name again? Cock. Uh, It was username Sir Doctor Cock. Sir Doctor Cock. I will link to Sir Dr. Cock on the website to those rules. Thank you again if you're listening, Sir Dr. Cock. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you ready to do this? We What's are. What's the meat of the episode there, Ray? What's the meat? Oh. What's okay, sure. I guess I'll do all the announcing today. That's fine. Um, yeah. So That's we're... <laughs> court is in <laughs> session, y'all. D&D court time. Uh, it's time for you to come up uh, and present your case with a rule or a spell that you feel may be presented in a different way. It could be a time where a player or a DM feel wronged you in a certain way uh but we ourselves are all the judges juries and executioners um i wish i had a gavel clang clang courts in session bitch we'll just have to buy that and put it in edit it in (laughs) (laughs) you know i can get that sound effect do it I want the uh, Law and Order. Dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know if I can get that. That might not. <laughs> no. But you want a, a gavel? Group I can do that. That takes D&D wrongs. They are special victims units. D&D edition. Dun, dun. Oh, no. <laughs> Either that oh, or no. some like really funky 70s type music. You know, to I think that's the standard for courtroom television shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like liar liar. Yeah. There you go. I can I can make it work. I got this. Borderline seventies porn music. Got it. Yeah, pretty much. That's the time period. Well then, I guess since this was roughly my idea before that we even started this thing, I will go first. Ladies okay. and gentlemen of the jury, I have been wronged in fifth edition. <laughs> As some of you may know, the rogue subclass or the rogue multi-class, it always provided a great and wonderful ability to use sneak attack. In three five, which I have right here, oh, I shall read. Prepared. He is. He is ready. He is. If a rogue can catch an opponent when he is unable to defend himself effectively from his or her attack, he or she can make a vital can strike a vital spot for extra damage. Basically, the rogue attack 
deals extra damage anytime his or her target would be denied a dex bonus to AC. 3.5. Oh, man, he's oh, pulling out 5e. He's pulling out the books. 5e. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going hard on this one. I'm surprised they don't have him sticky note. Right. Yeah, I just woke up again. I lived at work. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak attack in 5th edition. Page 96. Beginning at first level, you know how to strike subtly and exploit a foe's distraction. Once per turn, you can deal an extra 1d6 point of damage to one creature you hit with an attack if you had advantage on the roll. Here's where it gets tricky and where I feel I was wrong. <laughs> the attack must use a finesse or ranged weapon. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I call bullshit. <laughs> For the plain and simple facts of sneak attack is supposed to be, you know how to strike a vital spot or you know how to hit an opponent who is distracted in such a way. Why am I so upset? Why do I feel I was wrong? <laughs> In a campaign recently, one shot that has kind of become our new slice of life side piece campaign when two of our normal players can't play, I made a level two character that was level one, or excuse me, level three is what we are in that yep. campaign, aren't we? That's, yeah. So, level two monk, level one thief. That's where I get the name Drake. It is Drake and Rider. Ha ha! He follows the goddess. Wudan Ladle. <laughs> I've always loved getting in the multi-class of Rogue for as long as i played D&D &D because it A, gives you a new set of skills, but also when it comes to fight, as long as you can flank someone or catch them off guard, you get to add that extra bit of damage. Fifth edition, sorry, not sorry. You can't use unarmed strike. You can't use all this extra stuff. How many times have we seen in movies or games or whatever where somebody with a big giant fucking sword comes up, sneaks up, and s impales a person doing extra damage? That's the whole point of sneak attack is you're doing extra damage. Yes, it's one of those things, but that, you know, a DM can overrule. But if your DM is going strictly by the rules or doesn't, you know, has only played 5th edition and maybe Pathfinder and never really messed with the rogue or had someone who's dealt with this and they only know the rules for fifth edition it kind of does a bad thing and it definitely goes oh slam on the brakes stop we gotta look this up when common sense should say hey if i'm a monk and someone's on the other side and they're more distracted by them or i sneak up on them and they don't know i'm there my punch should do extra damage because i know as a rogue trained i know how to in inflict that extra damage I rest my case. Clap. I'm clapping. Clap, this clap, is clap, that was a very clap, good clap. argument. <laughs> very good argument. Thank you very much for um for being very prepared, concise. Uh I will defer my response uh for the moment. Uh, both Yaka and Monkey, uh, either one of you can take the stage on your opinion at this moment in time. Uh go ahead. I figure the player okay. characters should go first anyway before the DMs of this group should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Yaka, if you want to go first, go right ahead. I've got my little thing. Um, <laughs> man. Uh, the way... I don't know. I mean, you're hitting me with this so fast. Like, 
sneakily <laughs> and like fist in the back. Like I didn't know what was coming. Uh, Case in point, extra damage. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, the only thing I would uh, the the biggest thing I see is it says with a finesse weapon and with the monk's fists they're not considered finesse weapons but they are considered magical I think down the road once they level up yeah Um, that's correct so now they're being considered finesse weapons and and the monks are already in my opinion super OP um they get to be yeah yeah. um the way I kind of see it as as rules is written it says you need a finesse weapon and fists aren't considered a finesse weapon but I mean if I was going to run my own campaign I'd probably just be or, and it was for shits and giggles I'd be like yeah go ahead who gives a fuck but, um, <laughs> but as for this case it's rules as written you do not get your sneak attack damage from fists oh do not fist me from behind. Level <laughs> six, by the way, is when they get to become magical weapons. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Monkey? Uh, my thing is kind of along the same lines as Yaka, where you need a finesse weapon or a ranged weapon to kind of exploit a weakness based on the written rules. So with the finesse weapon, you're able to finesse into a specific, precise target yes you can do it with a fist to an extent to an extent fist weapons are mainly blunt so your unarmed strikes are punches or slaps if you want to be a weirdo you can you know kind of make your fingers into a cone to almost kind of pierce but it's not going to do the same as like a dagger or an arrow or a crossbow bolt or anything like that that the Rules as written does state works as a finesse weapon. So, like, even a rapier. That is a very, very pointy finesse type weapon. You're not just going to go around swinging it at people. It is a stabbing, piercing weapon. So, anything that... I would say anything that is piercing, if it's rules as intended, anything that is piercing, I would say works with sneak attack. However, unarmed strikes are blunt. So I, I would not rule that as a sneak attack in this case. Now, as far as the actual sneak attack word, words, two words, you're sneaking up on them. It, they have disadvantage. You are going to fuck them up. Yes, you should do extra damage because they're not expecting it because they don't know you're there. But the rules is written to me takes precedence over that just because they are exploiting a weakness not necessarily just caught with their hands tied behind their back right and i get that but what i'm saying is like you've had precedent for all these other editions that if you catch someone unaware or that you know you're saying oh well it's blunt so it's not as much dude case in point Let's go with DBZ a bridge. I punch you in the dick. <laughs> it's going to hurt a lot more than if I punch you in the arm. If you're not aware. 
like, yeah, it's blunt, and that's the thing, like, I keep reverting back to, is, in 3-5, it was literally like, hey, you use any fucking weapon, if you can use, if you catch them unaware, or have advantage on them, or they're at disadvantage, it's fair game. Like I said, in, you know, anime, books, movies, video games, you've seen the motherfuckers with the giant sword sneak up, like, Full plate, and they should sound like a goddamn, like, bull on steroids in a midget's china shop. And they just full-on sneak and just do the extra damage because they impale a motherfucker on their sword or whatever weapon. And in 5th edition, they just went, nope, sorry, it's gotta be, like, little stabby-stabby finesse or <laughs> pew, 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 with the crossbow or bow, like... You took a step back on this rule, big time, because all the other editions, like, hey... We're straight. Like, you want to get that big old double-handed giant great sword and you're a little halfling? You go right ahead if you get that sneak roll. Like, <laughs> you just take that weapon that's like three times your size and just... Yeah. I just think the biggest thing that that goes for me is the word finesse. Because that doesn't say that for Monk, unfortunately. It's yeah, like, uh, everything it's a else precision makes attack. sense around it. It really does. Yeah. It's that one word finesse. I've yep. listened to all of the arguments. Um, I'm taking uh, into account the fact that this has been a rule or sort of, uh, because uh, what you had referred to earlier, I'm not familiar with any rules before Pathfinder. Um, on top of that, even less so different classes. We only played Pathfinder a little bit and then we moved over to 5e. So I'm more familiar with the 5e rules. Um, one thing does stick out to me. When we were first having this conversation in episode one, um, you referred to the sneak attack, uh, you know, portion, uh, I wish I had it, blah, blah, blah. It needs to be in 5e. Uh, you refer to it as broke as fuck in 3.5 <laughs> and editions earlier. And by them removing it, it does also give me the idea that, yeah, it was broke as fuck. So I would love to give you sneak attack with an arm strike if this was... um this campaign is just like a one-off sort of campaign. We go there when we don't have enough players to play our other game. It's for the funsies. It's not very serious. Um, so I can see why you didn't come to me, the DM, being like, hey, I'm going to play this rogue, but he's also a monk. Can I do sneak attack with my punches? At that time, we would have had time to discuss it. You would have been able to make your case before the game had even started. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, that's a good character thing to do. I think that's a good, like, that's creative. Let's do that. Because it's not in 5e. However, this is just a fun one-shot type of game. You did a thing. I was aware that there was a rule saying you couldn't do a thing. So I had to make a quick decision. All right, what's the rule again? Yep, that's the rule. Sorry, you can't do it. There are circumstances where, yes, you can do it. you Or you can have sneak attack with your punches, given that the DM has allowed it in their game. 
Uh, but this one circumstance, it is rules as written. You need a finesse weapon to do so. Maybe in the future we can implement punching sneak attacks because we we are going to continue the you know this other campaign that we're playing and we can do it in the future. But having to make a split decision, sort of uh, ruling on a rule in the middle of combat where I was having like. 12 npcs <laughs> against you guys i made the decision to follow the rules this is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> but i do i will i do want to question you monkey because you yes. said like because it's the fists are a bludgeoning weapon but can those change as a monk you can change them to slashing and piercing they used I know, to they don't I, in do it pathfinder no in pathfinder the first edition, I don't know about second yet because I've barely looked at it. Okay. But in first edition Pathfinder, you can pick different styles that would change your attack type. So you could take the snake style mm -hmm. as a monk. Now your punches become piercing. Oh, okay. So I thought you, you can could do that. Those. Only, as far as I'm aware, only in Pathfinder when you take a different style, which would take up a feat. Or if you took the uh, subclass, I think, Master of Many Styles or something like that, you can take multiple styles and kind of blend them all together so they're all working at once. Mm. Otherwise, you got to take like a bonus action to switch. I see you. I see you. So, yeah. That's where I'd be like, yeah, fucking go for it. It's a piercing weapon. Absolutely. But because it's a blunt weapon, bludgeoning, I mean, I still wouldn't do it. Okay. But in Drakenrider's defense... In that campaign, he didn't even know he couldn't do it until we got to right. that point. Right. So it was all like, oh, shit, yeah, sorry, <laughs> there's nothing right. we can do. Right, like it's literally like yeah. me going off previous editions, like, oh, hey, this works. Yeah, so it's not like he could have gone to the DM first. It's right. nobody knew up until that point. Right. Yeah, this right. is, right. and like I said, it's literally a slice of life. I think like in like four or five sessions I've been in, for this one, we've had one combat, two combats, and one of them was self-inflicted. Like, I started a bar <laughs> brawl. Yeah, yeah. I started another combat that didn't really last long that you oh weren't there gosh. for. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't even... Are you... No, we're not, we're not talking okay, about it yet. we're but, not going to yeah. talk about that. Not yet, not yet, because uh, he doesn't know. So, with three uh, votes to one, I'm very sorry... Uh, your punishment will be that someone is going to repeatedly punch you without sneak attack <laughs> until you die. <laughs> Which is what the monk does. I didn't know so there were punishments okay. involved in this. <laughs> I'm out of here. Jury executioner. <laughs> oh, she did say executioner. executioner. Oh no! I was questioning that at first, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we rolling d20s for whose case is next? Are we rolling initiative? Sure. Let's Go ahead. It. Okay. I mean, we got them. We got dice here. We have dice here. Ooh. Oh, God, it's an 11. Oh, <gasps> shit, she got an 11. <gasps> I got a six, so you guys got to <laughs> roll. We got to roll okay. off? Roll yep. off. <gasps> I got a nine. Oh. <laughs> okay that's all right good. let's go ray so, what you got all right i've talked about i 
I saw this post on one of the D&D Facebook pages that I'm on, and it was in regards to D100s. Um, we play digitally because COVID-19 fucked everything up. So if you want to roll a D100, you just type slash RD100 and it'll give you a number between 1 and 100. With these little bad boys, there's a lot of interpretation with how you read them. It's really difficult and... Uh, maybe I'll pull up the source material that shows it, but essentially the D100 has 10 sides, 0, 0 to 90. The D10 has 10 sides, 0 to 9. Um, the main thing that I have a problem with is when do you interpret the zero on the D10 as a 10 as opposed to a zero. Because sometimes it's a zero. If you're rolling a D or a D100, let's say we're rolling it. Okay, I got one right here. It's a 20. And I roll the other one. It's a double zero. Is double zero a 10? And so you rolled a 20 and a 10 and now it's 30? Or is the double zero a zero? And you rolled a 20 and a double zero and it's zero. What do I do? What's the correct answer? <laughs> what do I do, guys? So this isn't necessarily a sort of I was wronged situation, but genuinely it's difficult to interpret the dice if some people, oh no, the zero is always a 10 or no, the zero is always a zero. Well, the zero can't always be a zero because it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, hmm. um, I guess are are you ready for a rebuttal, Ray? Um, yes. I'm also just gonna pull up the the yeah. pictures that I had real quick. I'll post them, I think, in our Facebook chat because cool. I can't. I'm not gonna be clicking. Yeah, it, that's fine. It comes up in the sound too much. But yes, I know. Please <laughs> go ahead and um, make any arguments you feel appropriate. So, how I read them. Um, and if you're not familiar with the D100 term, it's also percentile die. It's, it's the same thing. Um, but how I read them, I would always roll, oh, I roll them both at the same time, the 100 and the D10, but I would always read the 100 first, see what it lands on. If it lands on double zero, then the D10 is going to determine for me anyway, what number you're going to get. If it's one through nine, you're getting a one through nine. That that's it. You've got zero, one, zero, two, zero, three. That's how I read it. But if it is a double zero on the percentile and then a zero on the D ten, I always read it as one hundred because there is never a zero on any table. Correct. Ever. Right, so because I, it is will... there's only ten sides, so that only equals a hundred, not yes zero to a hundred. Yes, so that's how I see it. Um, so the percentile die, whatever that is, that's going to dictate where it lands. So if it's a zero zero, it's more than likely going to be one through nine. If it's a twenty, it's going to be twenty through twenty nine. So yeah, say we roll um, the percentile die, it lands on thirty. 
Okay, cool. You roll the next one, your D10. That lands on zero. That's going to be a 20 or a 30, whatever I said first. That's that's how I would read it at all times because you can't get a zero, a total zero on any table. Mm-hmm. But did you, did you, I'm sorry, did you explain at... the portion of you roll a, a 30 and a double zero? That's zero then instead of 40? Because if there's no zero, then the zero on the d10 is a 10. Yep. And then Correct. the 30 is a 40, the 30, 10, 40. The only reason, so I only do the zero on the d10 as a 10 when the percentile die comes up as a double zero because i see that, okay so that these makes are specific it so these rules are these arbitrary did you just come up with this by yourself or is there precedence set that somebody told you or that you were in a situation where like no this is how you're supposed to read it this is how i've always learned how to play it um ever since i started playing any kind of tabletop game that's how i've been taught because again there's only one way you can get a hundred and you can't get a zero so yeah in in the case like you're talking about you roll a 30 and then you roll a zero with the logic of getting a hundred yes you would get 40 but at that same time there's no other way to get like a a 10 number like a 10 or a 20 or a 30 besides doing that so i don't know my thing is you roll the first number that determines what like you roll your second digit your percentile die then you roll the single digit to figure out what the single digit is that's how i would always how i always have done it fair it doesn't normally come up. Honestly, no. the only time that I've ever rolled a D100 percentile dice is when rolling for Divine Intervention, um, because you have to roll your class level or lower, and that's easy, because the number only goes to 20. That's as high yeah. class level as you can get. But apparently in 5e Divine Intervention, once you do reach level 20, it just works. You don't have to roll. If you're a level 20 cleric, you're like, mm, hey, God, help a sister out. And then they're like, chill. And they just do it. <laughs> but up until level 19, you have to roll for it. <laughs> so, okay. um, you know, it, like I said, it doesn't really pose that big of an issue. No. There's not a lot of reasons to roll it. And then on top of that, we do play digitally. So there's no interpretation. It just tells you the number. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm curious. I am going to go into roll twenty, and I am going to just continue rolling percentile die until I <laughs> see something come up to where it's like, okay, that's what it's telling me how it works. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna meet yeah, my all that I do is, it. is that's literally someone's preference. Like this is one of those things True. that is so wishy washy. Like me personally. I've actually played zero to a hundred. So you roll all zeros. That's a fucking zero. That's like, depending on how your DM wants it. Like <clears throat> a lot of the times, you know, with percentiles lower is better. That's your net 20. That's on steroids. That's what you want. So you roll double zeros or triple zeros in that case. 
it's your perfect nat 20 or it's your ultimate nat 1. If the DM doesn't want low. Say you roll a 90% and a 0, that's your 100. Because the way I've always learned it is the percentile, the double numbers, is 0 to, to 9. That's, you know, your singles, your 10%, 20, 30, 40, all the way up to 90. And the second die is 1 to 10. If you get that 0 and any other number, it's plus 10. But if you get that zero on that and the zero on the percentages, it's that's your zero. zero. Yes, there's no precedent on any tables. It's always kind of been like, oh, hey, this is just how it is. But again, they use zero to 100. A lot of these tables, you'll see zero to 99 or one to 100. Like I'm looking at one right now that I went on Reddit, did a quick search while you all were talking. And they're like, oh, this is the only way it could be. Zero to 99 or one to 100. And it's like, no, I've actually done <laughs> zero to 100. It can be done. Yes, there's no real tables. But again, you're talking about 100. It's a one in, you know, actually it's two in 100. You have a 2% chance of either something really badass, like, oh, hey, the gods intervened. And not only did you get to do what you wanted, you also got this bonus, or the gods just fucking hate you so much that they not only kicked you in the dick, but they kicked all of your ancestors and all your descendants at once in the dick. <laughs> right in the dick. <laughs> they keep kicking me in the dick. <laughs> yep. So. so that's the way my thing has always been. Like I said, I've done it 0 to 100, and that's kind of the way I've always played. It's like, oh, hey, percentage. You could get that really badass, like, super success. And most people would be like, well, super success is going to be like a <laughs> 1 or a 90. Fuck off. <laughs> yep. Uh, Yaka, you going to chime in on this one? I see, I see both of your all's... Uh... Uh, viewpoints on it and man like to me i kind of lean towards monkeys because pretty much every table starts with a one and it's, there's no zeros so like when you roll a triple zero that's your hundred that to me makes sense uh so yeah i'm kind of rolling with monkey on this one like, just because, like, pretty much every table doesn't have a zero. Yeah, most of the tables that you find in the book are not books. Yeah. Because there's a shit ton of them now. Don't don't have a zero on the table. Right. And that's, I guess I would go with that just because it makes it familiar. But, like, I totally see your side, Drake and Ryder. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, if you can read it like that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. But. Yeah, I kind of got to go with Monkey on this one. And so I've rolled a couple of times on roll 20 here. And the two that I'm going to bring up are an 8 and an 80. Because they're pretty much the same thing. So it doesn't show you in the chat. Like, you know how you can hover over when we attack and it gives you all the modifiers and whatnot. It won't show you that in the chat. 
for whatever reason, when you roll a D100, it says, nope, fuck you. It just says but, <laughs> number. Yeah, it yep, says just fuck whatever you, the number. final number is. Yep, <laughs> that's pretty much it. But I've got the virtual dice on. The virtual dice shows for an eight, it is double zero and then eight. So that is flat out eight. 80 is the opposite. For 80, it rolls an 80 on the percentile and then a zero on the D10. So, and like you were saying, Drake and Ryder. So really, then that is a zero to 99. No. Yes, because well, that's a zero to 99 table. Because if it's counting, huh. if it's counting the singular zero as a zero, yeah. then that means that there's no ten on the D ten. Right. That means there's no hundred at all. The hundred would be the two zeros, but I haven't hit that yet because mm. I've only done it like ten times now. Well, we'll get to clicking. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but it's rolling the same way that I would roll and mm. interpret it. So that that's what I'm trying to get at. But again, to Drakenrider's point, it's really up to, at this point, whoever coded it, their preference on how it should be read. So it, it really could go either way. It's kind of a divisive yeah. like situation or yeah. preference. But yeah, I mean, I can sit here and roll dice all night long, and I don't know if I'll ever get 100, honestly, I or mean, zero. There's a one in a hundred chance that it will happen but then at the same time what if you have a a lot higher than that what if you have a (laughs) weapon that's a d10 and you roll a zero you get zero damage with the weapon no no the weapon is a d10 so that zero is a 10 right right it's only when the percentile dice is introduced that now we're all confused (laughs) okay okay yeah all right I wasn't sure if that was also part of this ruling. <laughs> um, no. I mean, I guess my punishment is... Your punishment oh. is to walk a quarter mile on D4s because you came with such a weak... Like, <laughs> there's no way you could be wrong. Like, mine, I was going to be told straight up, like, you're wrong. You picked one that, yes, it's, like, a legit concern, but, like, you couldn't be told you're wrong. <laughs> right. Hmm, it's almost like I planned it. Yeah. I was so close. I almost got double zeros. I got zero zero on the percentile die, and it almost got zero on the d10, and it rolled over to a two. <laughs> like I can see it. Uh, ah. Just move it. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for nothing. Nobody. There was no concise answer. There's no actual. There isn't a rule somewhere. Great. Next. At least you're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i got that's punched to death <laughs> <laughs> yes yes you did all right monkey you're next okay mine is kind of concerning um a little bit both of the shape water cantrip and the mold earth cantrip so they essentially do the same thing just one is earth related and the other is water related but my thing is it's such an open-ended fucking spell both of them that it's kind of hard to nail down exactly what it does with rules as written um so i'm just gonna read off shape water i'm not gonna worry about mold earth for now the only difference there is loose dirt versus water 
So whatever. Which is an argument. It is an argument. Loose it water. is an argument. Yeah. Yes. Loose water. That's right. <laughs> I, honestly, is this loose in water. The player's handbook. What is it? No, it's in the Elemental Evil Player's Companion. It actually has it on uh, D&D Beyond. It's telling me page 164. But I'll read it off, and I'll even put it in our Facebook chat afterwards. So it's kind of long, but you choose an area of water that you can see within range and that fits within a five-foot cube. You manipulate it in one of the following ways. You instantaneously move or otherwise change the flow of water as you direct up to five feet in any direction. This movement does not have enough force to cause damage. That's pretty clear as far as the damage portion of it. The the other portion of it I'll get into later. The second way. You cause the water to form into simple shapes and animate at your direction. It says direction. I'm guessing discretion is what it means, but whatever. This change lasts for one hour. You can change the water's color or opacity. The water must be changed in the same way throughout. This change lasts for one hour. And then the last way, you freeze the water, provided that there are no creatures in it. The water unfreezes in one hour. If you cast the spell multiple times, you can have no more than two of its non-instantaneous effects active at a time, and you can dismiss such an effect as an action. So that would mean like you freeze the water and you can change its color or opacity at the same time. But you can't form it into a simple shape. So you can do two out of the three things. So here's where it's super open-ended and a couple of points. The very first portion of it is you can choose an area of water that you can see within range and that fits within a five-foot cube. Now, is it in a literal five-foot cube, or can this five-foot cube be smushed down and kind of stretched out to be the same area? If it can, you could do a lot with it. You can create, with the ice effect, a like a slippery area for people to run across and slide and you know, fall down, trip them, stuff like that. Um, and then the one instantaneous move or otherwise change the flow of water as you direct up to five feet in any direction. The any direction portion of it is any direction. Would you rule up as a direction, directly up into the air, five feet? Define or gravity. Correct. Or straight down creating like a a vortex pool basically instantaneous five foot drop in water in a five foot cube that would make other water rush in and kind of create a weird vortex pulling anything down into it which you can see with like ships when they start to sink it's pulling water down and you could drown things right Because it only says this movement doesn't have enough force to cause damage. So you can't just fling water at a person to cause damage. But the effect it causes to the surrounding area, it doesn't say anything about. And then 
So you freeze the water, provided there's no creatures in it. Okay, I freeze a giant block of fucking water. I'm going to push it off of, like, the edge of a building or something onto somebody's head. Will that cause damage? It should, because it's a giant block of water. If you were to do the calculations and yada yada for how heavy it is, a five-foot cube of ice is 1.5 tons. The man should be dead. Most things should be dead with one and a half tons of ice falling on their head. And this is a cantrip? This is a cantrip. That's that's the fucked up thing. It is a cantrip. Now, where the Mold Earth spell kind of gets a little crazy is... um. There are certain things I know you can't do with it because there are other spells that do the things you want to do with this cantrip, like higher level spells, like a fifth level spell to create. Um, oh God, I forgot what it was. I think it's like 10, either 20 or 10 different walls in a certain area, or you can create a giant sphere of dirt or stone with this fifth level spell. Whereas this cantrip... Is that stone shape, maybe? I think I think it's stone shape. I can't remember what it was. I found it a while back, and I'm like, oh, wow, I could do some really cool stuff with this. And then I was thinking, oh, wow, I could do it with the cantrip. But you really shouldn't be able to do it with the cantrip if there's a higher level spell specifically for that thing. So, yeah. But my main things are going to focus on shape water and the bullshit that you could try and come up with here. Like, you can break a lock by... F- pouring a little bit of water in there and freezing it real quick just break it that way make it brittle stupid shit like that um can you drown somebody with it you can move it five feet in any direction okay it's gonna go say you're fighting a halfling who's like three feet tall i make it go up three feet make it go down his throat two feet if his mouth is open why won't that work um, and that's about it. So I'm going to post the cantrip in, uh, I'm actually going to do probably the link to it in our thing. There you go. For uh, shape water. Okay. <clears throat> for the drowning part, I'm going to chime in real quick. I've seen this discussion. This is not a new discussion. This is no, no, one it's not. that you go on any forum. This is like Civil War type. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's why I'm you're either it on up. Captain's side or your Iron Man's side. There's no middle ground. Like, yep. You're either yep. with the Cap or Tony Stark. Yep. I kind of lean towards that you really can't drown anyone for the simple fact of the minute you try to shove it down their throat, they could either try swallowing it or they're going to start coughing, which is going to kind of keep it in the rough area and to drown in D and D you need like basically three saves or something. Or three Can't you hold your breath up like a minute up to your constitution or something like minute that? Minute per con modifier. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Right. And then like after that you have to start making saves. That's another case. And stuff. So it's it's one of those things like I get what you're trying to say, but I'm gonna lean like you can't drown anyone with it yeah, for the simple yeah. fact of it's a cantrip, so it's only one round, right? 
Uh, yes. Unless, yeah, for that specific portion of it, yes. It is one round. Okay, so like you're throwing it in that six seconds. Say they can swallow some of it, and then the rest they start choking on. They're going to projectile vomit most of that up with by their next round. I could... I'd be willing to say, though, like, oh, hey, you might be able to do, like, a staggered or, like, they can't take a full action because you did this, so they're kind of stunned or whatever. But I would also give the person that you're trying to do this some type of saying. Like, hey, you're trying to shove water down their throat. They're going to see <laughs> this coming. They get a deck save. Yeah. Okay, they failed the deck save. Okay, so you're shoving water down their throat. Body reactions are going to instantly try to override. Like, it'd be multiple um, saves. Like, okay, you failed your decks. Now see if you can throw this up. Okay, con save. You failed. Okay, cool. You're stunned or dazed or whatever because you weren't able to get all of it up. To the other point of like, oh, hey, I froze water up on high and I moved it because you get to pick two of the three things. I would say that would be doing damage because like you said. Or hey, you turned it into like the shape of a spear or some type of weapon and then you just whoop. Yep. Stuff like that I would that makes sense. So that part I would rule like, oh yeah, I could see this. But again, I'm do you they're getting saves. They got an AC. Shit like this. It's plausible, but how many times are you going to be like, hey, 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 I'm up high. <laughs> Freeze. Whoop. Yeah, not very. Like, yeah, it's not going to happen often, but sure. No. Yeah, it's more um, at that point like a uh, stealthy type deal where, hey, you're sneaking up on dude. I'm going to throw like an anvil on his head type acme shit. Yeah, you're going to do that, and you're going to make Spurt 2.0. Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> you're dead! Thunk! Oh, God! <laughs> yep. I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll defer to the to the final, uh, not ruling, but my, my opinion at, at the end. So, Monkey, what points were you... The first one, the first point is yep. to make a whirlpool to cause drowning damage, right? By, yes, by dropping it five feet straight down if somebody is in, like, a lake or something. Yeah. But you were saying create a vortex, like a whirlpool. To an extent, like a sinking ship pulls water in towards it okay. and drags people down yes so okay. and think, then what were of... the other points in that spell that you because the last one was yeah. you freeze a block and drop it on somebody yep and what did you have a problem with the other two um the five feet in any direction can you put it straight up in the air defying gravity five feet obviously it's going to come right back down but can you throw it straight up in the air and you know what? I'll even make make the argument: if you were to continuously use this cantrip, can you hold it in the air? I mean, I don't see why 
you can uh for the first point of moving water in a direction up or down up i don't see a problem with it like yeah it's kind of defying gravity but fucking magic bro um (laughs) and besides the pushing down if someone was in water and you push them down they only go five feet down and then they can swim in any direction except straight back up to get back to the surface you know yep i mean it would only work in like oh you're in a well (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm just gonna keep shoving you down there right yeah so like i don't know i kind of see that one it's just kind of rules as written, I guess. And as for the block of freezing water, uh, it says it, its range is 30 feet. And as soon as it, to me, as soon as you're beyond that 30 feet, because it's a cantrip, it dissipates. But it does say the water unfreezes in one hour. Right. But if you're out of range. Isn't the range just a casting range? That's what I'm kind of seeing is you kind of got to... Well, it doesn't say concentration. That's true. No. Yeah. It is just an instantaneous, here it is. Mm -hmm. There's no saves. There's no anything. It's just a casting range of 30 feet, and the water unfreezes in one hour. So my thing with that is it is Mm -hmm. a casting time of one action. You. It take an action is six seconds. That's and the spell is instantaneous. That's a snap. So you there's no way for it to continue. You can't hold it in the air because the action six seconds. Oh, it happened really fast. I moved all this water. Okay, now it's done. You have to do another action of six seconds to cast it again. And then it moves again instantaneously. There is lag time because mm-hmm. of the instantaneous and the action I would get, difference. I would, I would say you could probably cause damage with it. Because now that you did bring that up, like, you freeze the water. That's one action. Now what do you do with it? <laughs> like, you're going to have to take another one to pick it up and either throw it or whatever. So Right. I mean, that costs you two turns. I can see that, like, yeah, it's a cantrip, but I can see that if you're spending two turns to cause damage with a block of ice. And if you're trying to drop it on someone, like, Wily Coyote style, (laughs) good luck. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Well, the range in the area, too, like, I would take that range with the spell range as well, because it isn't necessarily outlined specifically to say... You know, out, outside of 30 feet, this big block of ice, it just goes back to being water. Um, here, nor there, whatever. If you want to use it to use damage, that's fine. It would just be regular fall damage in that case. Yeah, it's a five foot cube is, what'd you say, 1.5 metric yeah. tons or something like that. Yeah. Terminal velocity, just use the regular fall damage for that item on whoever you're trying to attack with them. Yes, I agree. Freezing it into a block of ice and pushing it will cause damage. 100%. There's no arguing that. (laughs) I call this the airplane shitter. (laughs) 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 
So what's oh, the other man. one? Using a whirlpool to yeah. drown because you're moving. I don't you're see, instantaneously you're moving, it. moving it straight down. So I, I don't see the whirlpool though. I don't yeah, see I, I'm you, still. I'm. You don't move it this way. No, it's it, not so much a whirlpool as it is the water pushing, is sucking it straight down. A bunch of water down. And then the water's falling in from the sides, mm-hmm. forcing them down. I think that kind of reverts back to like what I was saying with the drown and like, yeah, it's gonna push them down. But like or Ray was also saying, it's instantaneous. So you do your little motions, snap a finger, whatever, and it drops. That water's going to rush in, suck that person down, but they're going to pop right back up next round. So, you know, you might be like, oh, hey, you can't do a full action that, but you're literally going to be like, drown. (laughs) Drown. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. And then what you were talking about uh, earlier, Drake, with um, the whole drowning somebody. Well, I guess, Monkey, that was your point. But drowning somebody, like, I'm standing here. There's a river. You're going to control the water to try to drown me. Um, You can only move the water or direct it in a simple shape. The human trachea and mouth... (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, that's not a very simple shape. It's circle in a square peg situation. You're going to cough it up. You're going to like, oh, look, a column of water. Why don't I just stand here with my gullet wide open (laughs) and deep throat it? No, you're going to turn away. You're going to put your hands up. You know, it's there's no way that the this cantrip, this control their shape water would be able to drown somebody on dry land. I don't see that. Yep. Hmm. Alright. Yeah, that's that's fine. I just wanted to get this one cantrip out there because it seems way too powerful for a fucking cantrip. Right. Your punishment is to be waterboarded <laughs> by the shape water by the sh- by the shape water cantrip uh, so you're not going to drown but you're going to be waterboarded that's, <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> uh, i think that's you yaka all right well i am doing the luck feat cuz i think it is it seems a little OP to me. But let me post it in the chat for everybody. If it works. Yeah, it works. Yeah. So the luck feat. You have an inex- inexplicable luck that seems to kick in at just the right moment. You have three luck points. Whenever you make a, an attack roll, an ability check, or a saving throw, you can spend one luck point to roll an additional d20. You can choose to spend one of your luck points after you roll the die, but before the outcome is determined. You choose which of the d20s is used for the attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. You can also spend one luck point when an attack roll is made against you. Roll a d20, and then choose whether the attack uses the attacker's roll or yours. If more than one creature spends a luck point to influence the outcome of a roll, the points cancel each other out, no additional dice are rolled. You regain blah 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 blah. So the problem 
that I stumbled across and people are just saying it's too powerful because of you can choose which of the d20s is used for the attack roll ability check or saving throw. And if you have disadvantage on something, you automatically roll 2d20s. You add the luck point, you can have choose from the three d20s for one roll. Because that's wow, that's how it's written. Which doesn't mean you're at disadvantage for that anymore. Like if you roll a 20 and a 1 and you're at disadvantage and you're like, fuck that, I'm going to roll my luck thing. And you roll a 2, you're like, I picked the 20. <laughs> and that that was the complaint with this feat. And I was like, man, they're kind of right about that. But then I was reading in the second portion, it says you can also spend a luck point when an attack roll is made against you. And just like thinking about it, I'm like, I would rule that as rules as written. Because one, it is a feat. Um, and you choose it for that reason. Like, yes, if you want to use it on disadvantage so you have another roll, yes, you can choose from the three D20s that you roll. Cool, whatever. Well, you can also spend one luck point when an attack roll is made against you. And you can choose your D20 or the attacker's D20. Well, the attacker is usually the DM, and they roll behind a screen. So, to me, if I'm the DM, I'm going to rule that uh, rules as written, and then whatever, like, fuck, I can just make shit up. Like, if, if, if you're going to allow it to be that powerful, I'm going to be able to fudge my rules against you if you ever try to use that against me. So, I kind of see it as rules as writ. So, the hardest thing that I have with this is the disadvantage. Rolling three dice, you get to choose whatever dice you want. Mm -hmm. I feel that disadvantage, like, trumps everything in this situation. Yeah, you do have luck, that's fine, but you still have disadvantage on the roll, which means you have to take the lower Regardless of whatever three dice you rolled, you have to take the lower. The disadvantage would trump the lucky feat. If you have you rolled a natural one, a 20, and a 19, the answer is the natural one. Because it's the disadvantage. It's your lowest roll. Right, but then why would you roll on a advantage roll? A lucky for advantage. There's really no point to that in my head. No, why would you? Like, I would you definitely already have advantage. <laughs> right. Are there any so, prerequisites so. for this feat? No. Or is it no. just like one no. that you can take as soon as possible? Yes. As soon as possible. Everybody can take it. Okay, here's my thing. It's three luck points. Just three. Low per levels, long rest. Yeah, per long rest. Low levels, that's a lot. Higher levels... I could, as a DM, I could make you burn all three of those in one round. As for the disadvantage thing, I'm actually cool with it because, from a role play standpoint, you could be like, you know, when you get disadvantage, it's like, you know, the thing's not in your odds. But again, you're lucky. So, as a role play thing, yeah, if you roll that nat one and a 20, but you're at disadvantage, you go, fuck this, I'm going to roll 
you know... My lucky die. My luck feet. Roll, and then you get, like, say, another nat 1 or just something that you know will fail. Pick the nat 20. That's cool. You still burn... Like I said, this is more of a... To me, this is a feat that keeps you alive early game. And even mid game. End game... I can make you burn all three of those feats in a fucking round. First round of you fighting a big, big, bad, evil, whatever. I'm making you burn all three of those. Yeah, once lair actions start coming into play oh, when gosh. you're, you know, those luck feats are, those, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be burned before your second turn. Yeah. I can almost guarantee you. Yeah. It, it's, it's, again, to me... It's cool. It's a roleplay feat. It's early to mid game at best. Yeah. So it keeps you. So if like if you're like, hey, I want to get to late game, because again, showing a little favoritism to the warlock, especially the pack fiend. Level fourteen, they get a thing like at will. You do damage to a person this round. Pretty much, I think it's till next round or even before end of turn. You at will. So like you can burn through your bonus action, burn through all your actions, and then be like, oh yeah, before I'm done. I just sent you to hell for a round and you get 14 D whatever. I have to look it up, but you get a fuck ton of psychic damage and you come back the next round. Like, yeah, good luck with that luck feat. Like, so to me, that lets you get closer to whatever, whatever class ability you're gunning for. That puts you one step closer to, hey, me, if I took this feat, I'm saving all those for my fucking death saves. Right. Straight up. Oh, I failed one? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I nat one. Oh, the fuck I did. <laughs> like, to me, that's this is a feat that gets you to later game stages. So rules yep. as written. Rules as written to a T, because like I said... I can make you burn through all of them, and if you want to, you know, be like, oh, I'm at disadvantage, but look, I rolled two nat 20s and a nat 1. Oh, it looks like the nat 20s win. I'd be like, cool. And see, I'm I'm kind of in the middle of both you and uh, Ray, whereas I, I would definitely let you roll it on disadvantage. However, it's disadvantage. You're not going to get all three of those die. You... I would say you would get the lowest one and your luck point because you are rolling at disadvantage. So with disadvantage, you have to take the lower die. However, with the luck feat, I would let you choose the luck die over the disadvantage die. So say you roll a nat 1 and at 20. No nat 20. That, that goes bye-bye. You have that nat 1 and then your luck die. Okay, so you're saying replace the the original die with the lucky feet die and that's what you use against your disadvantage correct okay yep yep that's exactly it so you don't get three die you get two the disadvantage because without the luck feet no matter what you're getting that disadvantage die the other one does not fucking matter so all right that yeah that that's how i would rule it um so again kind of in the middle of ray saying no you get the you get disadvantage that's it and then Drake and Ryder as no get all three fucking have at it. That's what I'm, I'm saying, middle. baby. I like, know, but that that's where the opiness starts to come in. Because if you it's don't like, give them that, then what's the point of the luck feat if you can't bail yourself out of a situation? 
And that's, that's my where... point. Like, it is straight. It's a, it's a luck feat. Right. It's a role play thing. Like, yeah, you have disadvantage, but again, it's it's three points per long rest. I know. I know. The DM is gonna be like, okay, cool. Here's the next thing. Oh, you're gonna burn that. Here's the next thing. Burn <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna long rest. Okay, two hours into your long rest, you're ambushed. Like, yeah. Boom. Just to keep the pressure out. Yep. Right. Like. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is meant for survivability at low to mid levels. Absolutely. But I still feel like it's too OP to let them have all three of the dice that were thrown. It definitely use that luck feat. And if it's higher than the disadvantage roll, have at it. Use it all day long. But I wouldn't say give them all three die. And let's be honest, how many games do we play that actually go into high levels? Right. Most, yep. mo- I mean, right. <laughs> well, how, we went how... to what, 15? Yeah. 16? That was supposed to be 16. a possibly Supp- epic level campaign. And supposed to be. Li- <clears throat> life happened to all of us, and it was like, oh, well, fuck this. We're going to finish this up because I'm getting tired of it. And, yep. you know, so arguing that it's only good for lower levels, 80% of the games that get played in the world, I'm sure are oh, not yeah. going to get past level 10, level 12. Yeah, they've life put out stats on and, that. You know. Yeah. So. Yep, they've put out plenty of stats on that. These are the levels that get played most. Level 20 is basically your one shots. That's really it. So, yeah. Yep. Um, right, as far monkey, as the rest... How are, how are you going to punish him? <laughs> well, I'm, I was going to keep going. As far okay. as the rest punish. of... This was, as far a, this as the was rest two on two, goes, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um... The rest of it, I would say rules is written. I mean, I don't have any issues with anything else. There's nothing you can really try and interpret from it other than but it this isn't. is it. Your rules as intended. Rules as intended for the first half. The second half, where you can spend it on an attack made against you, and when they cancel out and anything like that, I'd say rule is written. But the disadvantage portion of it, that's intended. I'm with you on that one. I mean, it's definitely a good one. It's yeah, 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 and a lot of people, of course, pair it with the divination wizard. Well, oh, portent yeah. rolls or yes, or, or halflings to have that luck. If you have a halfling <laughs> divination wizard with luck feet, yeah, you're you have so many fucking luck die. If you die, there is something wrong with you. Yeah. No, you die, the gods hate you. That's all <laughs> there, that is to it. Yeah. If you die, you're Will Wheaton. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. So, if if you want to make a character that is more than likely never going to die, pick a halfling, divination wizard, and get that luck feat. Just fuck it. Go. Get it as early as possible and cut <laughs> right. out. Right. Yeah. You will be alive for so much longer than Yaka's poor, poor wizard. That yeah. wizard is technically still alive. <laughs> technically, because my bird has not killed him yet by accident. Is that his punishment? Your your bird is gonna kill Yaka. Oh, <laughs> my bird is my bird will actually probably end up killing you, but it won't be because of this. Wow, that was actually a full episode and with only one round of D&D core. I think we all came prepared with two separate cases, right? Yeah, yeah. just about. Everybody. Yep. Um 
if you want to hear the other things that we're going to talk about, uh, tune into our next D&D court whenever that's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure, you know, you're you're following us on all the social media stuff that we haven't set up yet. We do have Twitter. We got Twitter. So we have we Twitter. Got... Yep. We aired just before Judge Judy on ABC 12. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that don't know what ABC 12 is because you're not in the area, um, just figure it out. Have fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, website coming. It should be up by the time this episode airs, but we'll see. Should we'll be. see what's going on because busy adults, busy. I'm the one sending it up and I've got stupid amounts of shit going on. So we'll see how it goes. We're but, playing yeah. fast and loose here. We're doing we all really we are. can. Oh, my, yep. my kind of ladies, baby. Oh, <laughs> fast and loose. Don't forget <laughs> about that note from that horse game that we were playing. Do you remember yeah. the note? The only note that I took down from the entire game. It yes. was Yaka wants to fuck a fat bitch. Yep. Do <laughs> <laughs> you see the? Uh, Drake, yeah. you can see the map, right? That's a, it's what happened. There was a river there. That's the woods. The <laughs> only note that I have written yep. down wants to fuck a fat bitch. And one of the only notes I have on mine is fucking horses. <laughs> so it went well. Yeah, it went well. Nice. <laughs> um, on that note, <laughs> thanks yeah. for tuning in. Yep. Appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> hey, Yaka here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Busy Adults. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to us for more of our future content. Have a good one.